Good afternoon. It's uh, Dorothy Polarski, and on the behalf of Catholic Moms Group, uh, we would like to welcome you to Midday Moms. We have a very special guest today. I'd like to welcome Amanda. Amanda, Amanda, Hello. can you tell us where you're from? Yes, um, I am tuning in here from Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and guess nobody else is tuning in from Nebraska. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not sure. Um, so for those of you that are joining us, I, I would ask that in the chat box you say hello, you tell us where you're from. Uh, I love hearing from uh, our mother's group leaders. Uh, some of you might know me from the Catholic Register. Uh, I had a column there. Some of you might know me from the annual Dynamic Women of Faith Conference. And others maybe know me from reading my book, uh, Motherhood Matters. I wanted to talk a little bit uh, about our ministry, Catholic Moms Group. And so in just a second, you're going to see me sharing a couple of slides. And there we go. I'm learning as I go. So we are on a mission to revive the vocation of motherhood. And we primarily do that by helping parishes um, and moms start Catholic moms groups. We've had the great opportunity to work with um, about 40 parishes. And you'll notice I get so excited when I see uh, the moms in our moms groups. Um, some of our moms groups are, you know, toddler groups. Other moms groups are uh, intergenerational. I always say that, uh, you know, starting a mom's group is not rocket science, but it does take time um, and it does take work. And we're trying to take some of that work out of the work for you. We have a mother's group starter kit. We have also two publications, how to start a mother's group and 52 uh, studies for individuals or groups. Our mother's group starter kit has everything that you need to start a, mother a mother's group. Uh, and everything in that mother's group will take you well over a year to, uh, to, to into launching the mother's group. So we do have a couple of mother's groups in uh, the United States, but most of our mother's groups are uh, here in the Archdiocese of Toronto. So we're very, very happy today to um, have again a, a special guest. I met, a, I met Amanda at a conference in downtown Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a secular conference and there were a couple of us that were sneaking out to go to mass, but Amanda and her husband had to go to mass a little bit later because they were being featured at the conference in, in front of 3,000 people. Uh, Amanda, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us a little bit about Jonathan and tell us a little bit about Wallet. We'd love to hear about it. Sure, will do. Thank you for having me here today. Um, if anybody has questions as we're chatting, please feel free to ask them in the side. Um, as Dorothy said, my name is Amanda Texera and I'm married to Jonathan Texera. And when we first got married back in 2011, we came home from the honeymoon, added up um, all of our you know, credit cards and student loans, and we had about $25,000 in debt, had a big fight, realized, <laughs> oh my goodness, what are we going to do? Because at the time we were working as uh, missionaries with Fellowship of Catholic University students. We were on staff for about a decade um, and we were fundraising our income and we only had about a $35,000 take-home pay, but we decided, you know, instead of having this debt limit our future, let's get rid of it and then be open to whatever God asks of us because it's keeping us back. And so we started learning everything we could about personal finance and dove head in. And in a little over seven months, we broke free from the debt and then kind of took that same zeal and passion into saving and investing and buying our first home and adopting baby number one and baby number two and baby number three. And then uh, we were coaching people at our dinner table for years just about personal finances, totally for free. Just, I mean, hundreds of people 
we would coach. And then one time somebody wrote us a check afterwards and we tried to give it back. And he said, you know, if I do what you just told me to do, I'm probably going to be a millionaire and get to give the way I want to and you know, retire someday. So you're worth the 50 bucks. And he said, well, I guess it seems like there's a knack here for our way of explaining things. And so we uh, decided to take things online in late 2017 and WalletWin was born and we help people get out of debt, uh, build wealth and ultimately change the world through generosity since that's really the point of having money after all anyway. Well, uh, Amanda, you know, one of the reasons, as you know, I just forgot something and I'm glad that I remembered. We, we very often, <laughs> more often than not, we begin our sessions in prayer. So I do want to welcome uh, all of you. I want to say hello to some of the people that have signed on. Um, Liz Garcia, hello. Liz uh, attended, uh, has attended my mother's group. I've had my own mother's group for 23 years. Rema's the mother's wow. group leader in um, Etobicoke. She's celebrating five years this year. Um, and uh, good afternoon, Mary. Good afternoon, Anna Chapetta. And um, Yes, I want another thing I forgot to mention. Today is the feast of uh, Saint Monica, so we want to acknowledge uh, Saint Monica, and um, maybe let's you know. I always say it's never too late to pray, even though I <laughs> I forgot to open it with a prayer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's just uh, open this session with a prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Lord, we know that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, that you are present and we acknowledge your presence, we rejoice in your presence. We pray for all of the moms gathered here today. Um, we appeal also to uh, St. Monica, who is the patron saint of wives, of mothers, of alcoholics, of uh, desperate cases. Um, St. Monica prayed in perseverance for 17 years for her son. Uh, Augustine. So we ask for St. Monica's uh, intercession and we turn to our Blessed Mother and we ask her to wrap her loving arms around us and we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I also just want to quickly pray my favorite prayer to the Holy Spirit. O Holy Spirit, beloved of my soul, I adore you. Enlighten me, guide me, strengthen me, console me. Tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. I promise to submit myself to all that you desire of me and to accept and, and to accept all that happens to me and accept your will. Let me only know your will. I'm getting tongue-tied today. I always get excited and nervous, uh, but it's my favorite uh, prayer. I even keep a couple in the kitchen cupboard so that as I open up the cupboard, I'll pull out the card and <laughs> pray it several times a day. Um, so we're here to talk about money and, you know, Amanda. That sounded quite depressing. <laughs> No, it's actually not depressing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Amanda shared, um, you know, almost what I consider a, a miraculous story. You know, how much how much money did you pay off in how much time you mentioned? It's $25,000 in seven and a half months. That's a lot of money. With a, with a $35,000 take-home pay. So... So that math will leave you scratching your head, I bet. <laughs> it will leave you scratching your head. Now, uh, Amanda, you mentioned that, you know, the title of our, our, you know, mother's group meeting today is, you know, the four mis money mistakes that, uh, that families often make. What are some of those mistakes? Yeah, so we're going to dive into four of these most common mistakes that I see people falling into without really realizing it. You know, there, most of us were never taught how to handle money growing up outside of don't ask how much your parents make and don't talk about it. Maybe balancing a checkbook, but that skill doesn't really help you 
for handling money in everyday real life. Um, so the very first one that I want to chat about um, is a really important one for all of the married couples. It's not being on the same page as your spouse. And I think a lot of times when you're engaged and you're excited, even as a newlywed, it's easy to think that once you're going to get married, you'll just kind of magically blend together. <laughs> We depend yes. so much on magic, right? Like, <laughs> right. Just like, you know, the Holy Spirit will kind of do something and we'll be one now. Yeah. And there's an element of that with the sacrament, but then there's also that natural human element of if we don't unite ourselves on several different things that we're trying to merge mm -hmm. into one, there's going to be a lot of friction. And yeah. I think a lot of times... Uh, particularly Catholic couples feel a lot of shame around money because they're both coming to the table with completely different perspectives on what money is, what money was like growing up, how money was talked about, what they spend money on, who they like to give to. And because they're feuding about it and they don't know even how to have a conversation about it, there's just a lot of resentment and guilt and frustration. And maybe one of them's a spender and one of them's a saver or someone came in with debt, someone didn't come in with debt. And now they're trying to kind of figure it out, but they don't actually know how to talk about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a pretty um, pretty sensitive area. Like, you know, opposites attract. So like sometimes you have like the case that awesome <laughs> personality, and then you got the engineer personality that's saying, where did that penny go? <laughs> and, and, and two, I think that, you know, in some cases in marriages, you say someone comes in, Oh, well, what do you mean? You didn't tell me about that $20,000 school debt you had and you're coming into what? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so I just, I just want to check here. Um, someone saying that you're very pretty. Well, that's good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so are, if you have any questions, so the, the first mistake um, that a lot of Catholic families make with, you know, money is I guess burying their head in the sand and um, as a marriage, not being able to have uh, a conversation about it. Would, would you say that a lot of marriages, um, it, is it a cause of breakup for certain marriages? Do you think, Amanda? Oh my goodness. I mean, it's in the top three causes of, you know, of divorce, but even just unhappiness in marriage, because you can have literally decades worth of resentments around money built up in a marriage if it's never actively figured out, if that makes sense. Um, and so even if it's not going to break a couple up, this could be this unnecessary strain that's dragging around with them for literally decades of their marriage. And so we run into a lot of couples where, you know, the very first activity we'll have them do is to sit down and go over a family history together. We actually have questions that we'll give to couples to sit down and have a money date so they can talk about, you know, what is money to them? What does it represent? What did it get spent on growing up? What kind of phrases got tossed out in their family of origin as they grew up? Things like money doesn't grow on trees or, or phrases like that that influence their thinking and their thoughts, whereas maybe somebody else, money was meant to be shared and spent. And so they're having conflicts over those beliefs that they never even knew how to verbalize. So that very first step is just talking about and unpacking kind of what they are brought to the table from mm. their family of origin. And then that second step from there is um, some people will call it like a dream board or a vision board, but the couple sitting down and deciding what do we want our next one three, five, maybe 10 years to look like. And if we could dream big, what would be the things we'd put on there? Pictures of, you know, a vacation somewhere, um, being debt-free. They could name out all these dreams. And then from there, they get to decide together which ones they really want to go after and which ones pull both of their values together. And then they can They've talked about the past, they've talked about the future, and now they can start to move forward with a united vision. Yeah, and I, I know that you offer a uh, course, and we're going to talk about that course a little bit, you know, later um, in our session, but 
I think having a course would be something that would be very, very handy because usually when two, you know, a couple comes together, it becomes explosive because there isn't a framework, right? Whereas yes. if you have a framework and someone's giving you homework and you've got to do this course, then it kind of, you know, it detaches the, the, the couple from the, the conversation in a way because we're, we're doing our homework. Um, okay, so number one mistake is, you know, coming into a marriage and not being on the same page and not having the same goals as your husband. And the remedy to that is to uh, start doing a little bit of homework, um, you know, listing all the debts, listing all of the um, assets and establishing a, a dream board. I, I know that one of my dreams, it took like so many years, I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, but was to take my uh, two young adult kids, um, to take them to Rome and to take them to Poland. Nice. Uh, I was born in Poland and, uh, you know, my dad's buried there and I wanted them to, you know, get to know their Polish culture. And so when that did happen, oh gosh, it was exciting, you know? Um, okay. Uh, awesome. There's someone's here, Patricia Arujo was saying, I think people underestimate the topic money. It doesn't bring happiness, but it helps a lot, especially when it lacks in a relationship. It can create a whole bunch of fights. Um, absolutely, mm -hmm. it can. Um, and then Martine says, I would love to introduce you to my daughter and son-in-law. You can be their <laughs> answer. Uh, you know, what are the costs <laughs> of your workshop and how do you facilitate this? Uh, Martine, um, you know, one of their courses is free and we're going to show you how to access that really, really shortly. Uh, I'll Martine, put it in the, in the comments, actually. Sure, yeah, put it in the comments. Um, my husband is not a spender and I was, I never valued money. So that's always, you know, different people have different, uh, I know in our own marriage, my marriage, for example, you know, there, what was sometimes exciting and still is, is, you know, we work from home and my husband works from home. So like, he's always wanting to go out and eat dinner. And I'm kind of like, I never ate out dinner growing up, you know? And that was a natural uh, tension. I've had to learn to relax a little bit more because, you know, my father was a factory worker, we're not. And so my husband keeps on saying, it's okay, we're going to be okay. So mm -hmm. what is the, um, what's the second uh, mistake that people make? Yeah, so the second mistake after not being on the same page, which that one's the most essential and important, and all these other ones kind of follow suit. But the next one is not living with a budget. And I think there tends to be a lot of misconceptions around the word budget. It can almost sound like a financial juice cleanse. People might want to run for the hills. Um, and the way we like to talk about it is I think there's a difference between living on a budget and living with a budget. We teach people to live with a budget. It feels like an empowering tool to help make decisions. Whereas I think when people say, I'm living on a budget, they mean they're restricted by their budget. The budget tells them what to do. And so people kind of hate budgeting because that's what they tend to think of when they hear the word. And so a budget is not meant to be a straitjacket. It's simply a spending plan. Life without a budget, I mean, we've all been there likely, where you could open your bank account and you knew there was money in there a few weeks ago, but it just vanished in the night and you just see Amazon and Target and, <laughs> and you don't know what happened in the meantime. But life with a budget, it's intentionally spending your money in a way that aligns with your current values and priorities at any given moment. So I think a, a lot of times th people think they have to create a perfect budget that's going to be their budget forever and for always. But we personally have never created the same budget twice. Every single month, we come to the new month with money that we saved from the prior month's paychecks, and now it's ready for that month ahead. So we're budgeting money we have, not money we hope we have, money we have for the month ahead. And Throughout the year, all of our needs are going to shift and change. Christmas always happens in December, but our family in particular has like 17 birthdays in the fall. So we just, we have to assign our money 
to the gift category more often in the fall than we do in other times of the year. And so every single month is going to shift and change, but every single month you and your spouse need to come together and agree on a written budget and every dollar you have needs to have a role in a job assigned to it. Not extra money that's just going to blow around in the wind, but every single dollar has a job. Either it's going to be saved, spent, invested, or given. And so this habit of creating a plan for your money is going to make you feel like you've gotten a instant raise overnight almost. And we don't really care if, if you're a paper and pen person, you can go for it that way. But we really, there's a lot of great technologies now that are out there that make budgeting super simple. Um, and personally, we use something called YNAB, you need a budget and it's on our phones. And so if I'm out at Costco and I get gas in the car and I put it in and my husband's across town at a different gas station and he's going to put gas in the car, he'll automatically see our updated budget. So he's not spending money that isn't there anymore. What, what's so it called? YNAB, you need a budget. Um, I'll show there, you. The, is there a link that you can send us? Or? I think walletwin.com slash YNAB actually gets people a free trial oh, if anybody wow. wants to try it. Okay, that would be, uh, that would be fantastic. Now, the, the one thing that really inspired um, me to have you come on, you know, Midday Moms are virtual uh, mother's group meetups. Um, you just told a, a very, very beautiful story about, um, you know, your desire to uh, adopt a, a child. And now you, you mentioned, I didn't know that you actually adopted three children. Can you, can you just like sidetrack and tell us a little bit about that? Because it really touched my heart and it's really what brought us together. Right. Uh, yeah. I think that, yeah, the conference that we were at, I was sharing the story from a, an opportunity the year prior. So just to take a quick detour, um, when my husband and I got married, I uh, knew that it was likely going to be a struggle for us to be able to conceive. I had endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Um, and for about three years, we were consistently getting treated by NAPRO technology. I had five surgeries. And at, at, I just decided to no longer go down that route because it was just taking such a toll mentally. And I was okay becoming a mother any way that God wanted me to be. I didn't have to have it be that one way. Mm -hmm. And so as soon as we did that, um, all of a sudden, we had a surprise adoption situation come to us through my sister-in-law. Um, and so we, because we had in our first year of marriage become debt-free and been saving, we were able to pivot quickly and say yes to that situation. And if we hadn't been paying attention to our money, we absolutely would not have been able to say yes to God's asking of us in that moment. So really it does, I mean, because we paid attention to the money, it allowed us to say yes when that opportunity came. And then when our first daughter was about um, a year and a half, we kind of felt a stirring to start saving again. And a few months later, there was another surprise situation that came up. This time we had less time. We only had two months to save. <laughs> Most people have nine months. We had two. Um, and we, you know, were able to welcome our second daughter home. And then again, about a year and a half after that, we got an even shorter phone call that we had about six weeks uh, in order to save up for and be ready to adopt baby number three. And I didn't, I mean, it felt scary saying yes to that, but we went forward and God provided everything that we needed. Um, we were really tired after that. I don't know if I've even recovered. <laughs> yeah, I know. That child is still not sleeping through the night, but she, uh, she's almost two now. So we hope to adopt more. Um, it just kind of has seemed like God is the one who lines those up for us and we're just ready when he's ready. Yeah. And it, it, you know, it's sort of, puts our whole conversation into a, a, a very beautiful and supernatural and almost mystical context, right? Because we sometimes forget that when we're, you know, sort of disciplining ourselves financially, when we're saving, 
Like so often we focus on the fact that we have to say no to ourselves. Um, you know, I'm sure that a lot of you, when you look at your, you know, credit card statements, as you say, is like we see, okay, Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons, Tim Hortons, <laughs> and more Tim Hortons, right? Or Starbucks, right? Like, <laughs> like I don't know how they manage to charge six or seven dollars for a coffee, but what we're saying no to certain things, we're in fact saying yes to other things, you know? And um, when we're saving, we're, we're saving so that we can be generous with saying yes to God. And uh, I just, you know, my, my, my heart goes out to you. And I just, I wanted to just, I don't know, as a sister in Christ, um, just let you know that we'll be praying for you because it's, it's a remarkable, remarkable, you know, how old are your kids? Do you mind me asking? Five, three, and one. Yeah, so to adopt a, you know, a five-year-old, you know, a one-year-old, um, it's just so beautiful. Um, I wanted to share just uh, briefly before we go on to the third error. You know, many of you know that I'm absolutely in love with uh, Insinu Yezu. I never say it correctly, but there was a short quote I was called to share today, and it does have something to do with, you know, money. So much time and energy is wasted in futile worrying and in endless discussions about what is needed and how to go about it. Simply present your needs to me with a trusting heart and I will show you that I'm a lavish provider for those who let me take charge of their needs. The obstinate desire to control all things and to obtain purely by human means, the things that is necessary to my work is an affront to both my merciful love and to my infinite generosity. And so I think as Catholic, you know, mothers, I think we have a tendency to probably worry more than it's necessary. And I always sort of believe in a three-prong approach to money is like, okay, know the tools, know the rules, and be conscious of what you're doing, and then love and trust God's providence. And so, um, you know, a lot of us aren't blessed because we're not open to receiving that blessing. A lot of us aren't blessed oftentimes because we haven't focused and learned the tools and faced the mess. Right, and I always say, God sometimes can't bless us because we don't do our part, and so mm -hmm. yeah. So anyway, so the the first mistake again was not being on the same page. The second mistake you mentioned was not having a budget. budget. What's the third mistake? Oh, so well, how do you establish a basic budget? That would be a good question. Yeah. So um, really picking the tool that you prefer, paper and pen, Excel, YNAB, a budgeting app, and then sitting down and you'll probably need to, if you haven't been in the habit of budgeting, you'll need to look at maybe the past 90 days of your bank statements and just start figuring out what you're spending money on. And then not all of it will maybe make it into your future budget, but that'll help jog your memory of, ah, there's a light bill every month. Okay, this is the mortgage that goes out. I spend about this much on groceries so that you can go into your very first budget with kind of some informed context. And then let's say, you know, you're going to have uh, $4,500 that month available through paychecks. Well, you're going to sit down and take 4,500 and you're going to divvy it up amongst the rent, the cell phone bill, the groceries, the giving, the healthcare stuff. And uh, you're just going to divvy it up until there's no more money left. So the money that comes in, 4,500 minus the money that's divvied up in your categories, it should then equal zero. We call it zero-based budgeting because then it means that every dollar got to do something important for you instead of just blowing around, not working hard for you. Now, I, I know that, I, I forget where on your men, on your website I, I saw it, but um, just in terms of, you know, are Catholics expected to tithe the first 10% of their income? Is that something that's expected? I know that Protestants are very disciplined about mm -hmm. tithing, and I, I kind of 
tithe every so often? And then, you know, do you have any thoughts on sort of the biblical view of uh, finances? And are, you know? Yeah, I mean, this could, I could, we could talk here for the next couple of hours about what God says about money. Um, speaking of the tithe specifically, though, um, you know, we kind of teach it as the tithe, it actually comes from the Old Testament. And that was where the term tithing came from. It was giving God 10% of the first fruits of your crops. Um, and then that, that term is kind of carried forward. Now, when Jesus came, a lot of these obligations that were on the people have been lifted. You know, we now can eat pork, for example. Mm -hmm. And so the term tithe, that was one of those things that per se, it's not an obligation but we like to, uh, the church teaches this too, that God gives us, he's in charge of all our money. He's the one that gives every gift. And so really it's a hundred percent gods. Mm -hmm. And so we like to think that 10% should be a starting point of giving, mm -hmm. but it should never be the end point, if oh. that makes sense. Okay. Because when we're flagged, I think all of our financial plans, whether we're just starting out, we're in the middle or we're farther down the journey. Giving has to be part of the plan to flex that generosity muscle and to make sure that we're keeping God in our money and that we're making generosity a, com a core component of our handling of money. And, you know, we learned this through just being missionaries with focus. I remember one weekend, my husband, he's one of those radical trusters, and I struggle with this. Um, you know, we gave a parish talk, literally trying to raise more money to survive another year. And, um, you know, we got, I think, maybe a $1,000 gift after one of these parish talks. And my husband, in an, he should have consulted me first, but whatever. <laughs> he took this $1,000 that someone had handed him in cash and he went and gave it and put it in the parish giving basket at the next mass. And I thought, what are you doing? <laughs> and he said that he was just thanking God for bringing it to him and showing him in an act of trust that he knew he'd provide even more. And yeah. I think out of that, we ended up fundraising like another 20, 25,000 for that next year and I was tripping over this $1,000 gift that my husband gave back to God. But he knew that when we are generous with God, he'll always outdo us in generosity. And so that's why we recommend people build that into their budget every single month. It doesn't have to be 10%, but I think it's something we should be striving to get to. Uh, and then it should never be the end limit. Yeah, and one thing... Um... One thing, too, that I want to remind everybody, I, I do my best to get to daily mass, and I was at mass yesterday, and um, the, the parish priest was basically pleading with us. He said that weekday masses, um, they, the, their parish that used to have 4,000 people coming through to the parish for weekday mass uh, due to COVID is now due to uh, down to 400 um people at mass. And so I'm, I'm begging all of you not to forget, like, even though like in, in Toronto, Canada, there's still not an obligation. We're still being dispensed of the, of the, uh, you know, of going to mass on Sundays because of COVID. And I think Cardinal Collins has been extraordinarily generous with his dispensation. Um, but please, for those of you that are joining us today, please remember to give to your parishes Mm -hmm. um, our ministry also depends on your donations. So if you, you know, uh, if you feel you're benefiting at all, please, you know, go to our website and hit the donate button. But um, back to uh, Amanda. So we hit the, the first, the second. And what, so what's the third mistake that um, people make? The third mistake is hanging around with debt. So we like to call we like to call it the debt machine because it seems like so many cultures have just gotten caught up in this consumeristic culture where we're being sold products and where the mentality is to ask how much per month instead of just how much, 
when we're confronted with making a purchase. Um, you know, student loan debts, credit card balances. These are things that are consistently growing um, with every generation and it's hurting the average family out there. And the thing about debt that's so frustrating is that when it ties up all our income, it ties it to the past so that it, in the present moment, our money can't work for us right now and it can't work for us in the future. And it just prevents us from being able to freely say yes to whatever we're being asked in the moment. It straps us down more than anything else in the personal finance world. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, and then that's only just to mention the financial aspects. Mentally, emotionally, there are a lot of different things that come with debt that are sneaky and tricky. You might be feeling depression, anger, resentment, inability to focus at work or at home with your kids. Um, and if you dug deeper, you'd realize it's because you're stressed out about money, but it oftentimes we kind of hide that stress from ourselves and then we'll go on a shopping spree to get a quick hit of dopamine to make ourselves feel a little bit better, but it, then it adds to the credit card bill. And then it's just this cycle that it's very common to get caught in. And I think when people get caught in that, then they feel a lot of shame and they don't necessarily know how to get out. Um, and so that's where we teach people how to get out in a way that really aligns with their brain and gets them those quick wins. Um, and so we help people, actually the, the Wallet Win Workshop that we're running right now, our second video, it's free, teaches people our method of how to get out of debt. Because there's a lot of different approaches out there, um, but we teach the way that we use to get out of 25,000 in seven months and our students have used over the years. So if this is something you want to do, watch that training and start crafting your plan to get out. Now, did you, uh, did you post the link to the training in the uh, chat? Maybe post it again. Cause I'll I know post it again, yeah, it post. got a little lost in there. Yeah. So it's our, our wall and workshop. It's just available this week. So if people want to get in there, it's free and there's three videos. Um, mm -hmm. And the second one is all about getting out of debt. No, it's, it's interesting too, because like my parents were both born in Poland. I was born in Poland, but then coming, you know, to Canada as a three-year-old, I was raised here. But in my family, like my daughter, my daughter, my dad bought his car first, a Volvo, then a Chevette as a factory worker in cash, right? He would not buy a car <laughs> unless he had the cash to buy it. And uh, I remember when my mom got her first, you know, credit card link or her first credit card, like he was mortified. Um, some, Heather is saying she's not seeing the link. Oh, you know, I had my settings set to um, panelists. Now I switched it to all panelists and attendees. Oh, so good. I'm glad that you mentioned that. Um, so, you know, we're sort of in a culture now that just wants what it wants when it wants it and feeds that, you know, machine when they want it. And, and I know for a while, you know, I was, I was following Dave Ramsey and you had mentioned to me that a lot of Catholic families, you know, sort of see David Ramsey as being their hero. Mm -hmm. um, but in listening to David Ramsey, like in my mind, there was something missing um, and again, that was another reason I, you know, invited you on today is because like in my mind, like you're kind of like the Catholic, <laughs> David Ramsey, <laughs> Jonathan and Amanda, the Catholic version. Uh, can you tell us a little bit of a difference between um, sort of the, the, the Catholic view versus the, you know, Protestant view of, of finances? I know we don't have a lot of time and I know you have to leave sharply at three, but I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yes. Yeah. We actually just did a training on this very thing. It took us about 45 minutes to explain it. So I'm going to boil it down. <laughs> um, but really, so we actually, Dave Ramsey was a huge influence on us early on. We did our debt-free scream in his studio. And then for a very brief time in a couple different parishes we were a part of, we led his financial peace university but there were several videos we had to pause and kind of fill in the blanks on the Catholic worldview about that particular thing. Mm -hmm. Now, a good bit of the things were minor, 
but then there were a few that were extremely major. Um, and so just as time went on, that's another reason we started Wallet Win because Catholics shouldn't have to be forced to, to kind of explain that. We should just be able to talk about money from a completely authentically Catholic worldview um, and not have to filter it through a different lens. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's kind of why we got started in uh, back in 2017 now. And so an example on one of the minor, um, uh, life insurance. So Dave Ramsey will oftentimes talk about getting 15 to 20 year term life insurance. The assumption there is that you're going to have two kids in your 20s, and then that life insurance is going to last you until they're out of the house, and then you don't need it anymore. Now, a lot of Catholics I know, they are open to life in their 20s. They're open to life in their 30s. They're open to life in their 40s. And so a 20 to 30-year term life policy is actually far more appropriate for a Catholic family because they're factoring in that openness and just open to surprises, if you will. Mm -hmm. And so that's a, a big difference. I wouldn't say Dave Ramsey's opposed to large families per se, but he certainly is not coming to the table even considering that that would be an option. Oh. So just a practical thing. Uh -huh. One of the more major things though is um, kind of is our, is how we talk about and handle wealth. Mm -hmm. Dave Ramsey will talk oftentimes that it's all about percentages and that you can't tell somebody they can't buy that thing because it was too expensive. You know, if somebody um, went and paid three and a half million dollars for a car because they liked it or a watch because they liked it, if it's only a half a percent of their net worth, who cares? That's like you getting guac on your food at Chipotle. Mm -hmm percentages wise. Mm -hmm. But the difference there is that, I mean, most of us, if it really was, my husband likes to do food analogies. So this is his analogy, but if we could feed half the world by not getting guac on our burrito once, would we? Yeah. <laughs> yes. And we actually have an obligation to do so. Now the Catholic teaching on this is not that bad, that expensive or luxurious things are inherently evil. They're not. Our intention matters deeply. And as a Catholic, we have to constantly discern what we're spending our money on. We don't just get a free pass to go do whatever we like. We're constantly discerning and our motives matter. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, um, it's just, that's a huge difference because we would say that a Catholic might be held morally responsible mm -hmm. if they handle if they misuse their money on luxuries instead of on a few nice things, but mostly helping others. And that's just a ginormous difference that we're going to have with Dave. We also have people in our church that take vows of poverty mm -hmm. and that would absolutely never be on Dave Ramsey's mindset, <laughs> but, yeah. but Catholics, we can, we see beauty in intentionally choosing to be like Christ. Mm -hmm. And so there's some nuances there as well yeah. um, that we just a little goosebump because when uh, you know when the Michael Kors purses first came out and they were a phenomena and I'm like I don't know if it's my age right but I'm like you'd spend three hundred and fifty dollars on a purse are you kidding me well you know why not give it to you know why not buy a $99 purse and give 275 of it to Dr. Simone and he could, um, he's, you know, a missionary in, in Canada, really well known in our neighborhood that he's a, he's a medical doctor that sends 80% of his wealth, you know, to the third world and uh, many Canadian Catholics know him to be a living saint with his wife. And so whatever I used saw <laughs> Michael Force person church, I'd get so triggered, right? And then my daughter is saying, Mom, you're judging, you're proud. I'm like, oh <laughs> but right. you're for, for, to discern all of that. Um, right. And there is that element of we're actually in the middle of developing kind of an examination of conscience because you know we don't know how that purse was given to anybody, really. Yeah. We don't know the circumstances. Yes. They may have just beaten cancer and their husband bought it for them for a celebration gift. Yes. We don't know. You're right. And that's why <laughs> it's up to each of us. We'll never be able to say X amount is evil or X amount is too much. 
Only God will know those details, but it's up to us to discern and talk to him about those purchases. So our motives are clean and pure. You know, Judas didn't want to pour the, the lady who took the year's worth of, of, it was a year's worth of wages to pay for the perfume that she put on Jesus's feet. Judas wanted to sell it and give it to the poor, but he really didn't. Mm -hmm. Um, That's an example of extreme lavishness on our Lord Mm -hmm. and that, he didn't scold her for that. Mm-hmm. So there is room to do those things, but also it, it just always comes back down to our heart and our motives. And we have to ask God what he wants us to do. What he wants us to do with our money. No, for sure. Um, I know that you've got a sharp deadline at three because you're, uh, you know, you're yes. in the middle of uh, uh, working on making the course available to more people and things like that. So uh, what's the last mistake that people make? The fourth one? Yeah. The last mistake is just kind of winging it. And, you know, maybe you'll read a financial listicle here or a blog there, but not really sitting down and having a plan for your money to get you from point A to point Z. Mm -hmm. Um, and so a lot of times people will just kind of think about the bills that are right in front of them, the things that are happening right now, but it's so important to look out a year or five years or 10 years down the road and to start building in money habits that are going to allow you to thrive in that time period or be able to retire someday, for example. Um, and so having a plan is something that we love to give people. And in our Wallet Win workshop, the, the third video, actually, we didn't talk about the first video. That one is where we show people how to find $1,000 in 30 days or less. But the third video, we share our blueprint, our financial transformation blueprint. And we teach 10 money milestones that people can walk down. And it's kind of the paint paint by numbers approach to personal finance, for a lack of better words where we take, people don't have to kind of second guess what order to do things in or what they should be working on. They just move from one thing to the next. And we've taken that pressure and that burden off of them and they just focus on the task that is the next best step for them. Um, So you don't have to wing it. Winging it will just get you right where you've always been. And you have to disrupt what those patterns have been that have brought you whatever the results are that you're maybe dissatisfied with. Maybe some of people watching this, they've done the work and they've built the smart habits. But if you're somebody who's watching this saying, I'm tired of being paycheck to paycheck. I'm tired of having debt. I'm tired of having money stress. I'm tired of having money fights. It's time to disrupt the things that have done, you've done to get you here. Try a different way, a plan, and then move step-by-step towards that. Yeah, we've got some comments here in the chat. Um, can you comment on whether people should spend time uh, paying down like student loan or saving a bit of savings for known things like job changes or babies or car purchases? Or do you like just basically zero in and you know pay down debt? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yep. I mean, a thing, so whenever people are um, anticipating bringing another baby on board, we uh, tell people just to pay minimums on their debts and to just stockpile the savings so that they can handle the hospital bills or any new furniture they need to buy for the baby or just until everything's settled there. Mm -hmm. Maybe they need that extra income as they're on maternity leave. And so you're going to pay minimums while you're in that stage on the debt. And then after everybody's home, healthy, you're in a new routine, everything is good. If there's anything left over, you can take that amount and just put it towards the debt. But yeah, things like a job change, it would be the exact same scenario. It's just not for a baby because there can be a ton of moving expenses and maybe you don't know how long you'll be out of work or between jobs. And so you do the same exact thing. A a vehicle purchase is a little bit different. Um, You know, if you can just keep riding out the vehicle you're in while you pay off debt, that's what we would prefer. But if you absolutely, this car that you're in is just not going to work and get you from where you need to go, and you need the car to get to your job that pays you money, then you would pay minimums on the debt and every cent you'd be saving so you can pay cash for something that's going to be reliable enough while you're on your debt-free journey. And then later on, after you're debt-free, you can begin saving more to upgrade that vehicle. 
Yeah, you, it uh, is really refreshing to hear, you know, you speak with such uh, uh, clarity and conviction. I think so often, <laughs> you know, people sort of throw in the towel. It's like a diet, right? I tried, I tried, <laughs> ah, you know, and then they don't. So it's, it's good to hear about your success. Someone here is saying a very insightful conversation. I pray that I take all that I'm learning seriously and get out of debt and uh, spend money the way God appreciates. Yeah, I, I personally do think it's extremely important to include finances in your prayer um, mm -hmm. and to ask God how money should spent, uh, be spent and, uh, and you know ask the Holy Spirit to guide you. Um, I, I'm also going to encourage uh, all of you, I don't know if you're familiar with um, the miraculous infant of Jesus of Prague, um, there are, we have experienced many miracles associated with a nine-day novena to um, the infant of Prague. Um, we have had money pop up as an answer to prayers. And, and you know, obviously, you know, you, I always say you have to have both, right? You have to have the strategy, the tools, confront the problem and pray at the same time and not just sort of depend on um, money magically appearing out of the sky. But if you want a miracle and you need a miracle, I do recommend praying to uh, the infant of, of Prague. <clears throat> um, I don't know if any of you have any questions. It's five to three. And again, I know Amanda is on a very um, a tight schedule. Her and her husband, they teach a course. There's uh, several videos that are uh, free. They also have a, um, you know, a membership website where if you want to work with them over a period of time, because uh, mm -hmm. some of these changes, you know, just can't happen overnight. You might need a little bit more hand-holding. Um, and again, I'm really consoled because um, Amanda and her husband are Catholics and they're adopting children and they're doing such good work. Does, if it, does anyone have here any questions for Amanda? Any tips for coming to the same page when one spouse is more spendy and the other is more of a penny pincher? Any any? Yeah, a quick thought there would be to do that vision board and dis discover together what you really want to be going towards with your money. And then you're going to sit down and in that monthly budget, one of you will likely create the budget. In our household, it's me because I just like to handle numbers. But then I sit down with my husband and he's more of the spender. And he gets to have insight on the budget, to ask questions, to maybe change things up. Um, and then something that's been good for us is that, you know, I will help him kind of curb his desire to overspend in different categories and maybe kind of ratchet him down just a smidge because he would buy everything. You know, he's just kind of one of those people who loves to spend money. Mm -hmm. And then I don't, I do not like spending money. I just don't even think of it, but he forces me to put fun money in the budget and then tells me to go spend it, orders me to go spend the money. Mm -hmm. So in some way it's virtue is always in the middle. And so we have to encourage the other person to kind of go against maybe that, um, tendency and maybe come back more towards the middle and be both a spender and a saver. And I believe we can all learn to become both. Yeah, so you've got here a couple of comments. Thank you, Amanda. I look forward to your courses. You're thank welcome. You. Thank you, Dorothy, for putting this together. Um, thank you, Amanda, Dorothy. God bless you both. Um, okay, another question. Which debt is the best to start paying off first? Any, um, any answers to that? or uh, Whatever your smallest one is. And we I teach. You, you pay off your smallest debt, then it's gone. Then you got a big win, and you're thinking, "Woo!" -hoo! Yes, <laughs> and it works. It works. Whenever we can see progress, our brains light up, and we want more of it, more of the habit that got us that. And so that would be the one I'd start with. Um, any advice on keeping down debt when closing a new home? Uh, really, I mean, you need as you're looking for a home, you need to have those boundaries predetermined before you've gotten to the closing, <laughs> you know? And so we typically recommend a mortgage payment not be more than about a quarter of someone's take-home pay or else you're just going to feel 
strapped and limited by your house. Mm -hmm. um, and so whatever, you need to kind of do the math on that well before you get to that closing. And then you need to have an emergency savings ready before you close on that home. And you cannot use that emergency fund as the down payment because you'll move in and something will go awry, a hot water heater will go out. And so a lot of times people move into that new home with no savings, something goes wrong and then it's credit card after credit card and it's just a downward spiral. So that would be my recommendation. Yeah, I, I also, I know that we're having a webinar right now, but we are gonna at one point be uploading uh, this to uh, a YouTube video. So for those of you that are watching on YouTube, I would say subscribe, 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 and uh, like it if you like it, and we'll make sure to put uh, uh, Amanda's uh, link into our YouTube uh, channel. For those of you that don't know, um, I guess it was yesterday on the Feast of Our Lady of Chelstohova and uh, St. Teresa of Calcutta's birthday, we actually uploaded our first, yay, <laughs> our first nice. Midday Moms uh, video. Uh, so please look for our Midday Moms uh, YouTube channel. Um, anyway, it is two minutes to three. I want to thank everybody for joining us. Um, someone saying, would a free version of YNAB be enough to do, or do you think it's worth the money for a typical family? I would do it. You would, you would get the I think it's worth its weight in gold for anybody. You think it's worth its weight in gold for anybody? Okay. So, um, yeah. So, uh, Amanda, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you for all of your wisdom. I know that I'm going to be looking at those uh, wallet win videos myself um, because Wonderful. I always figured you can tune up and learn a little bit more and a little bit more. We could become uh, much uh, better. And yep. uh, people can come on over to the wallet win workshop with your link and then. I see tons of questions we didn't get to. They can just come on over there and ask them and I'll, yeah. I'll continue answering. Yeah, and I, um, you know, I just wanted to let everybody know that uh, Amanda and her husband did say that, you know, if you, if you do take the course, I guess there's two levels of the course. There's like the free workshop and then there's if you want to work with them for a year. And if uh, some of you here decide that you do, you know, want to work with them and become a part of their membership, um, that, you know, I don't even know what it is, like some little teeny donation will be made to the, um, to our ministry. Your ministry, yep. Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not familiar with, you know, what it is, um, but, it, you know, so please do use that link. And thank you very much all for uh, joining us. Don't forget to make donations and don't be afraid to give money to your parish because they need it, okay? And, uh, you know, I know it sounds kind of trite, but that God loves a generous giver. Um, you know, Amanda was very generous with her time today, so we're excited. We're grateful that she's here. If you have more questions, please use that link. Grab that link, snatch that link, and uh, you can keep on asking Amanda questions. If a lot of you end up emailing me that you have a lot more questions, um, I can always check with Amanda if she can do a special Zoom call. You know, for those of you that want to chat some more with her, we can do this again in uh, you know in a couple of days, even if it's necessary. But let me know. Um, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. Uh, love you. Please visit our YouTube channel, subscribe to it. Um, and, uh, oh, last thing, very last thing. Cardinal Collins, um, he's the Archbishop of our Archdiocese, is speaking at our event called Rise Up. And I'm going to be interviewing him. I'm going to be interviewing him on what kind of woman his mother was and how she affected his faith life. So please register for uh, Rise Up. It's free for stay at home. Uh, no, it's free for mother's group leaders. And I think it's $10 for, um, 
for stay-at-home mom. So anyway, I'm going to say goodbye. Uh, Amanda, thank you. thank you for joining us. Um, and I uh, hope everything goes well with your workshop. And uh, hopefully we can have you back to talk a little bit more. Okay, bye now. Bye. bye.